0: Hi, so welcome to this week's episode of Social Spark. It's episode number three, and we have another range of amazing value and content coming at you today, guys. Uh, this podcast is set to be your social media Bible moving forward, so be sure that you're following so that you never miss an episode. Social Spark is a weekly podcast that will give you advice, tips, tricks, and updates about all things social media. So whether you run social media for your own business, are a content manager covering multiple accounts, or even an agency just looking for some of the latest gossip, then this cast is definitely for you. I will delve into the technical creative side of social media, compiling the best advice available so that you don't have to spend hours researching for it, am and I kind. But also I bring you methods to cope with a range of additional topics surrounding social media, such as things like time management and mindfulness. In today's episode, we're going to catch up as we do with the latest social media news from the past week, and then I am going to dive into the minefield that is social media strategy and I'm going to talk you through the specific way that I go about creating a strategy for my clients feeds so this one is absolutely gold particularly if you are looking to find a way to ease up your content creation and have a really clear and robust strategy moving forward so um plug yourself in and let's go Hi guys, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me again, this time for week three. In case you are a first time listener or maybe you have just forgotten, my name is Chris Kidd, and I'm the brainchild behind social media management and digital marketing agency, Spark Media. Wow, that is a tumble over those words this week. Guys, what a week I have had this week. I've had some ups and I have had some downs this week. I have had um, a new client come on board who is an absolutely wonderful client. They are so keen and enthusiastic and really know what they want out of their feed and what their goals are, which makes my life so much easier because it's much easier to deal with somebody that really has the drive, the passion and um, an understanding of where they want to go with their business but also they have a clear realisation that when it comes to the social environment and the social space they don't really know what they're doing or even how to start. So it's great to have a client like that on board who I can work with, bounce ideas off of and really um, get to grips with some of this stuff and really help them out because ultimately that's why I love doing this because I love helping out other people using my knowledge to ensure that other people can feel more secure and achieve better um, from their social profiles. And that's part of the reason why I make this podcast on a weekly basis, because I want as many opportunities for you guys to learn from me as possible. But, uh, and here is the big but, I don't have a big but, but here is the big but, Um, I do have a problem client at the moment, guys, and I'm actually going to use this uh, podcast this week to tell you a little bit about it and and maybe just offload a little bit. Um, It's been a really stressful time. So I've been working with this client for um, close to two months now, and they're nice As people, as individual people, they are actually lovely and I get on very, very well with them. But I think there's a real distinction to be made when we deal in social media as to when the person is a person and when they are a client. Um, And people, when you're dealing with social media, they find that really, really hard to separate. And that's understandable because it's a social, like I say, it's a social environment. And so therefore, sometimes people just find it that little bit difficult to differentiate which is business and which is not and I don't socialize with these people outside of them being my client but you have interactions that are more sociable you know you have conversations that are more socially based as opposed to getting down to brass taxes and dealing with the business side of things but This client, um, as an individual, is uh, driven. They, They work very hard on their business and I give them kudos and props for that. They've created some things, some businesses that are very, very successful. However, they are particularly skilled Scatterbrained, not particularly organised. Um, and that too is okay until obviously it interferes with what I am doing and then it causes headaches for me. But what's become more difficult is, um, and I was not aware when I took them on as a client, but they are more like a consortium or a cooperative. So I've been dealing with one person in the business um, thinking that they were the owner um, or at least sole owner, sole manager um, of the um, uh, of the business of it's a bar restaurant but um mm but it's come to light that that's not the case. Now, I have been dealing with them, as I said, for almost two months and there's been no problems. There are no problems at all. Every piece of feedback has been high positive praise. They've seen the results. I've given them reports back um, and they've been really happy and there have been no complaints, no issues, no harms, no fouls, no nothing. So, you know, you kind of go along thinking that everything's great and good. Um, I also do, as part of uh, my package with them, I do some kind of website fixes and all the rest of it. The problem with them as a client is they, they are one of these people that want everything for nothing. So they're always trying to get more without paying for it. And at the end of the day, guys, I'm a business. I have to make my living, put food on the table, feed my dogs and uh, clothe my family just like the rest of you do. Um, so, you know, you there's only so much you can do free um, as a favor before it becomes a little bit Irritating, shall we say? Um, so I've been getting to that stage with them, and I have been quite clear that you know, continually asking for extras is going to cost them. Um, and recently, uh, they called me, in, you know, later in an evening because they're a bar, um, to say that one of the man, one of the the team was not happy. Um, So I first had to clarify who the team was because I didn't realise there were a team at the top. Um basically, long story short, this uh, member of their consortium, ownership, whatever you want to call it, has a daughter who's studying social media in high school and, you know, is particularly good at taking lovely photos. And so um, they wanted to have her involved in the social media for the business, taking photos and posting onto the feeds. Now, currently, I run their uh, Facebook feed and their their, uh, Instagram feed. So we've been doing A B testing on content types for the first month as we do, and then we've solidified a strategy. And since solidifying the strategy, I've managed to boost their organic reach from what they had before, which was 1,000 people, um, to 35 thousand people, which I think we can say is a particularly successful uh, jump, and we are not even close to fully maximising this strategy. Um, But of course, the person wants their daughter to, um, at one point, the conversation was, well, I'll just have my daughter take over, but obviously they're under contract. So it's been a particularly stressful time. And as you all know, or you should know, you know, when we come to deal with social media, it's not about posting a pretty picture. It's about everything else that goes into it. It's about looking at the content pillars, looking at the ideas that fall under the pillars, looking at the types of content that are related to those content ideas under those pillars and creating a strategy for that. It's about knowing how to create hooks and offers and storytelling and call to action and all of these things that we all do for our social media. But of course, sometimes people that focus on the vanity side of social media, um, you know, the pretty pictures really don't see that and don't understand that. So it It's been been a hard week trying to balance doing the work for them and staying positive um, and um, also informing them about what it is that actually I am doing for them. Um, I'll be honest, it's getting to the stage now where I'm not entirely sure how much longer the the working relationship can last. Um, It's not even about wanting it to last anymore. It's really about this this becoming an unmanageable situation for me because at the end of the day some clients just if they're not willing to work with you then there really is only so much that they uh, that you can do for them. Um, I am under contract with them obviously because I always take uh, on a contract so that my clients know um, what to expect and how long they can expect it for in the first instance and then we renegotiate. So I have that contract for another month um, and it's Um, Yeah, it's just trying to figure out a way to work around this with them so that they get what they feel they what they want. Sorry, not what they feel they want, what they want, um, but also trying to enable me to still give them what I know they need to be successful and to have real results. So it's going to be a balance for the first month. But I have told myself repeatedly, and it does help, so if you're ever in a position like this with your business and you're finding things to be particularly difficult with a specific client or customer, um, what I always say to myself is, will this matter in five years? And do you know what, it's a great, Question to ask yourself um, if you're struggling in any situation because it really puts things into perspective. This to me will not matter in five years. Um, You know, I'm going to find with this client specifically, I have another month to work with them unless they agree to opt out of the contract early. um, Because it has, uh, you know, I'm obviously painting over how stressful the situation has been because I don't want to bring you all in a downer right at the beginning of this week's episode. But uh, you know, if they accept uh, an out, then. That's fine. If they want me to continue with the the remainder of the contract, that is also fine. So I have to find a way to to motivate myself and to deal with that. And this is the best way that I've found how to do it throughout my years uh, with a number of businesses. So if you're ever struggling, ask yourself, will this matter in five years? And nine times out of 10, the answer will be no. And so that's quite freeing. And honestly, since I've started to ask myself that every time I start to stress about the situation, I feel like a weight has already been lifted off my shoulders so finishing that rant of this week on a positive note will this matter in five years no it won't so i'm just going to do the job that i need to do now to the best of my abilities as i do always for all my clients and i will you know we'll deal with uh, deal with the the finishing up and tying up of this contract when it eventually happens. So um, actively remind yourself that there is always a way to flip your perspective and your thinking, and there's always a way to uh, make yourself feel more positive about the situation, regardless of how stressful it is for you at the time. So if you can take any way, anything away from this week's story time, it is that actively remind yourself, use affirmations, use positive reinforcement and um you'll get there you will guys you will get there just like with this situation i will get there so that's enough of my week how are you (laughs) i really hope you are all well now let's get this properly started shall we Let's get started with your round-robin of social media updates from the week. So, Facebook has announced its Workrooms virtual reality platform. Now this is a virtual reality environment, much like things like Zoom, where people can use avatars to sit in a virtual workspace and it's designed obviously for remote working. Um, analysts suggest that uh, within the next four years at least 70% of office workers will be working from home at least five days a month. So the timing of this couldn't be better and obviously with the way things have been with remote working during the past pandemic, it's hardly surprising that this is making an appearance now. What Facebook have said is Workrooms is a virtual meeting space where you and your colleagues can work better together from anywhere. You can join a meeting in virtual reality as an avatar or dial into the virtual room from your computer by video call. You can use the huge virtual whiteboard to sketch out ideas together, bring your computer and keyboard into the VR to work together with others or just have expressive conversations that feel more like you're together in person. Now this opportunity obviously Gives big business and small business a way of still collaborating in a space online together, but in much in a much more um, social and uh, interpersonal method than we are previously used to. Um, At the moment, they're saying that they can support up to 16 people by virtual reality and a total of 50 people um, if they want to join by video call. So the way the rooms are set up, and I had a little look at this, um, is that it's like a virtual reality three-dimensional conference room, but there's also a large, what would be like a large whiteboard at the end of the space. And if people are joining by video, that is where they will appear on the screen much like your uh, Zoom interface when you are talking to a group of people on Zoom. It's um, it's very forward-thinking and it looks set to be quite impressive once it's up and running. Um, you can actually see um, an example of this if you head to Facebook Reality Labs Vice President Andrew Bosworth's Twitter feed. That was a mouthful. That wasn't it, guys? So um, his handle is at boss Tank. It's B-O-Z-T-A-N-K. And you can see an example of how this is set up to work. Look, it looks really impressive. And I am such a tech geek that I am really, really excited by the opportunities that this brings for remote working and for virtual reality in general. Um, however, I do have reservations about what this uptake will be like. Um, it seems like they are trying to incorporate virtual reality in a large way as we have seen they have already done with the Oculus in previous um, Facebook um, updates. My only worry and concern for this is that it may be a bit of a fad or novelty to begin with and if they do not put the right amount of education for people and the right amount of uh, marketing behind it, that it may fly um, a bit under the radar, radar or lose interest particularly quickly. We already have virtual spaces online where this is possible. We see people using Second Life still as a means of doing online uh, education and online ground- graduation, so it's not like this is a first, but obviously this will feel like a much bigger step and leap into the virtual reality field. So uh, time will tell how it goes, but in the meantime go and have a little look at it because it is quite an impressive feat and um, if it if it turns out like this, yeah, I'm quite impressed. Okay, so last week obviously my podcast was about the war of the video apps and them all vying for this uh, TikTok type content and I told you last week that I would be I guaranteed that I would be here this week talking about another situation where um, one of the apps is trying to get in on TikTok's success well this week it's Facebook. Facebook have officially announced that Reels are coming to their platform in the U.S. So it was obviously going to happen, wasn't it? I mean, what did we think that they were just going to sit on the sidelines and let Instagram do all the work, even though they are under the same company? Of course they weren't. So Facebook Reels are coming to the U.S. But for the rest of us, Facebook is also um, allowing now more sharing of Reels from Instagram feeds to your Facebook feed with your Instagram um, handle and usernames embedded so that you can cross-share that content and um, and get more following and viewing on your Reels on Instagram. So, they are really trying to curb the expansion of TikTok. It seemed, as an app, it seems to have everyone absolutely terrified. I don't know why there's enough there's enough users to go around but um, Tech Hunch, uh this week about Facebook reels reported the following Facebook reels will give Facebook users the ability to create and share short-form video content Directly within the newsfeed or within Facebook groups initially you'll be able to tap a create button from the Reels section That appears as you scroll the newsfeed while you're watching reels or by tapping on reels at the top of your newsfeed From here users will gain access to a standard set of creation tools including those for video capture, music selection, camera roll import, timed text and more. So we are seeing that Facebook is really really pushing the boat out, the company as a whole is pushing the boat out to try and curb this growth of TikTok. Um, Reels will not be available for some time in other parts of the globe, but I said, I have said repeatedly on my podcast, on my feed, on all my video content, and uh, in my blog that short form vertical video content is the way forward. And as such, we are going to see much, much more of this warlike interaction between the platforms going forward. So Pinterest are expanding their reach to boost inclusion and utility within the app by this week adding a hair pattern search option to the platform. Now Pinterest already have a skin tone search qualifier within the platform and now they are expanding to hair patterns as well, which is great because not Everyone that uses the platform or searches for inspiration ideas for hairstyles has the same hair type or the same pattern So it is great that they are moving into this So whether your hair is as they say protective, coily, curly, wavy, straight, shaved or bald Then they you can now search for the appropriate content on your pattern. Talk about Focusing on positive inclusivity Pinterest is Smashing it Ok, here's a quick one from Twitter. Twitter has announced that they, are, they have upcoming DM improvements including multi-DM sharing and updated navigation. So you can see in the coming weeks and months that there is going to be some changes in your DM for more accessibility and better reach to multiple accounts through your direct messaging. Okay, Snapchat has launched a new market research tool called Snapchat Trends, and the idea of this is to highlight the key topics that are in discussion across the platform so that you can ascertain whether Snapchat is a good fit for doing your promotion on the app, which is a great thing. Um, Snapchat explained, Snapchat Trends highlights the most popular keywords shared within the Snapchat community via public stories and my stories that have been viewed by a large group in addition to a searchable database of terms. With these insights, Snap is able to provide a new level of visibility into organic chatter on Snapchat, looking at what our community is talking about and showcasing popular Snaps that exemplify each trending topic. So, this is a searchable function that will be able to guide people to uh, their content creation and focus it more and enable people to know whether what they're sharing on the platform is what people are actually talking about or not, which is always going to be useful. the last one for this week is again from Twitter. Twitter is testing a new misleading information reporting option within the platform. And it's another way for them to try and combat misinformation that is being spread throughout the Twitter sphere. Um, Twitter said on their Twitter safety uh, feed, we're testing a feature to for you to report tweets that seem misleading as you see them. Starting today, some people in the US, South Korea and Australia will find the option to flag a tweet as misleading after clicking on the report, the tweet. Some people have highlighted that this may be more harmful and is a further curb of freedom of speech, whilst other people welcome the option as a way to ensure that information that is necessary to be authentic and um, and valid can be so and it helps the... It helps Twitter ensure that things that are on their platform are not misleading. That was a bit of a fumble over my words. I do apologize for that, guys, but my dog decided to come in and interrupt me halfway through. But ultimately, what I'm saying here is you can now report misleading information on Twitter much more easily, and it's going to help, hopefully, make all the information on the platform more valuable, truthful, and honest. <laughs> So now it 's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this week 's episode, and today, I am talking about social media content strategies and more specifically my approach to social media content strategies. Look, everyone out there has a different way to approach content um, everyone out there has a v- vaguely different way to um, to produce content strategies, and none of them are right per se. Everyone has tweaks, everyone does something slightly differently, um, and that is entirely 100% okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, there are some things that are very wrong to do, which is just chucking out content without thinking about it. That in itself is not actually even a strategy. So there are things that you can do wrong, but if you have a, um, a robust way of putting things together, then you're always going to head at least along the right lines. So um, let's get started, shall we? So what I do first of all, I'm going to talk about how I do this with clients specifically, because it's much more in depth than uh, what we would do with our own, say, personal brands or our own personal feeds for sure. So the first thing that I do with my clients' content is obviously I have to sit down with them and find out about their business. Now, there are a number of ways to do this and it obviously it for me it depends on the client themselves and it depends on what they're trying to achieve and also how much of their social media marketing and digital presence I'm actually taking care of. Some um, some of my clients are only, you know, three posts a week, uh, just happy to go for brand recognition and local reach and engagement and then other clients are full spec bespoke digital marketing clients with we are actually actively going out into the, onto the global stage and trying to find um, audience, leads, generation, both uh, cold, warm and hot. You know, there's a, all different things in there. So, um, but I follow the exact same structure regardless. It's just that some entail less work, obviously, than others. So the first thing that I do is I sit down with the client um, to ascertain Information about their business. And if you are using or if you're going to try and use this strategy for your own business, you should still do this process and you should still write it down because honestly, you can have all the information in your head, but then when it comes to putting it into some sort of formulated uh, process, it's much more difficult to do so. So I would advise you always, if you're following this strategy, to do this for yourself just the same as you would for a client. Write everything down, get it on paper. get it out of your head, and then you have it there in front of you to work with. Right, so first of all, I do a what's called a three-minute who, what, and why. So I set a timer and I get the business to talk to me about who they are, what, what they do and why they do it. And they have to stop talking at three minutes. This gives a really clear and precise overview of the business before, without, them allowing, without allowing them time to get caught up in fluff and um, excess and extraneous details. Then I do um, a goal and metrics discussion. Um, we look at vanity versus value and we look at how we're going to measure what it is that they want to achieve. Then I also discuss with them what they perceive their roadblocks and obstacles to be um, towards their goals. Right. So that's kind of where I start um, that conversation, uh, including the three minute who, what, why and, and all the rest can take anywhere from 10, 15 minutes to half an hour to an hour. It really does depend on how much of a conversation you have to have. Um, at that point, I will then also discuss the mission of the business, what their unique selling points are, talk about their visual identity, what kind of culture they want to uh, promote surrounding their brand. Um, and we also look at things like the brand's attractive character, uh, who their ideal client avatar is, um, how they want to present themselves in the online space, and what kind of offers they have as a business. We obviously talk about product and everything else. We also, I also try throughout this process as uh, as they're talking to identify as many potential problems for the customer as I can see um, so that we can preemptively discuss that in social media storytelling. So I also uh, make notes of, of any issues I might come across and then we move on to a conversation around solutions and guarantees. So anything that I've flagged up, what would be the solution of the business and what kind of guarantees would they give? Now this is all groundwork. This is just chat and this should not doesn't necessarily have to happen in an overly formal manner now most of the time people want you to have you in their office and that's absolutely fine but it shouldn't feel like an interview it's social media we want to get stories about them so if people start to get um, if the clients um, start to get too formal try and um, ask follow-up questions that are much more based in emotional content um, and much more based in personal content so that you can draw out the personal um, and the storytelling from them because you're really going to need it um, as we move on to discuss, we discuss, I often move on to discuss like backstories of the business, things that have gone right, things that have gone wrong, what kind of funny stories do they have? Um, What type of flaws have occurred that they've had to overcome? What um, is their business identity? What, What about their business polarizes people? So there's a lot of things that kind of fall under these initial discussions. I take an absolute wad of notes at this point, like pages and pages and pages work. I just scribble down. And what I also do always is I record the session uh, um, on audio. I just use it on the the notes app on my phone because it's impossible to to write down everything. And also there may be nuggets of gold that the client come up with that you can turn into really good storytelling, but you might miss that if you don't record stuff or you might forget bits of it that are really important. So that's the start of kind of how I work and getting a, a story together and what the focus of the business is and knowing what they're passionate about. Remember, we are going to be promoting people on social media, so their strategy, or yourself on social media, so your strategy has to tell an engaging story that people want to read about. Otherwise, otherwise you're, you're, you're just going to be throwing content to the wind. And if it doesn't land, then you don't get any engagement or reach from it and it's not been worth it. So that's how I start, Okay. After that, um, what I do is I look at how often the brand, the company, or my own platforms want to put out posts. And I start that by looking at per week. Um, And then once I know exactly how many posts per week, then I work out how many that is in the first month. And then I divide it by three. So why do I divide it by three? Well, once I divide it by three, uh, the three attributes are the educational content, the inspirational content, and the entertainment content. So dividing it by that tells me how many individual content pillars I'm going to need for that brand. Okay, so the content pillars sit right at the top of your strategy. So for example, I've put together for a new client, a strategy that requires 30 posts per month. Um, And so I have divvied that up into 10 content strategies. One of them is products and services. So those are the heavy sales posts and products and services is one category, not two. And then I fill the rest with things that are relevant to the business. So this business is, Based in real estate, so uh, some of my other um, uh, content pillars are the the brand story, for example, um, how to promote real estate business motivation, location, 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 uh, be a real estate authority, and so on. So each of these individual um, content pillars sit right at the top of columns on my strategy. And they are the focus of the marketing on social media for this business. Then what I do is underneath that, I come up with a content idea for each of those pillars. Now, that's a content idea for month one. And then when I move into month two, I will come up with a new content idea, but underneath the same pillars. If you've really drilled down and understood the business that you're posting for or your own business, then these content pillars right at the top shouldn't need to change all that often. If they're really precise, you can probably leave them in place for a year or two. But the content ideas will change every time you run out of the first batch or the next batch of content. So in this instance, I'm creating content for a month um, and then a month two, I will have the same uh, content pillars, but I will change the content idea that sits underneath, right? I hope that makes sense. There is a video on IGTV on my channel that shows you um, a little bit of this um, in note form. So it might be a good idea if you're struggling to follow this verbally, to go and have a little look at that video and it'll hopefully put it into more uh, context for you. So from there, what I do is underneath each of those content ideas, I put, um, education, inspiration, and uh, entertainment, okay? So that reminds me that for each one of the content ideas, I have three posts that month. One talking about the content idea um, through an educational uh, piece of content, one talking about it through an inspirational piece of content, and one talking about it through an entertaining piece of content, okay? so I've spoken about those at length in other um, in other videos, etc. But so, for example, we've got the uh, let me take um, business motivation. So we've got business motivation as the content pillar. So for one for month one, my business motivation content idea is going to be talking about goal setting. So I could for the educational post do um, five top tips. To set the ideal goals for your business, okay, for your real estate business, because obviously it's real estate that we're dealing with. Um, The inspirational uh, post could be um, a story about how one of, uh, one of, the real estate clients, uh, clients achieved through good goal setting uh, the, uh, their ideal home, for example. And then the entertaining piece of content might be a meme um, about how it makes people feel when they don't have clear goals in their head. So you get how that works. So you've got three pieces of content for that one content idea. And of course, I've got 10 con ten content ideas because I have 10 um, I have 10 uh, content pillars. So that gives you your 30 pieces of content. Now, what I want to highlight here, just before we move on to how we use these, is that I always have in my content pillars, the products and services, which I already mentioned. Now in that, um, the content idea. So for example, this month, it's app. So it's promoting an app for this business. So because it's products and services, there's, um, I don't use education, inspiration, and entertainment because all my other content is covering that. So I do things like product share or direct sales as my, uh, as, as my content types for those. And that shows that we get our 80-20 split every time we do this strategy. So you can see that we're getting 80% of this gold, valuable, educational, inspirational, or entertaining content. And then we've got that little 20% tagged on the edge spread throughout the strategy. That is direct sales or sharing um, the the business, uh, promoting the business through sharing, etc. Okay, so I hope you're following along so far. Um, Then what I do underneath all of this is I create the calendar for the month. So underneath all of this, I draw out the boxes for the posts, for the month. So um, in this instance, I have five boxes for week one, I'm posting five days a week. So and then I go through the weeks. uh, Sorry, uh, yeah, five days a week. And then I go through the weeks and I um, plot out all the boxes that I need. Then what I do, and this is the bit that you have to follow on very carefully. Then what I do is I always post in the order education Inspiration and entertainment, but on rotation through the content pillars. So I'm not posting post one is the educational content for my brand story, post two is the inspirational content for my brand story, and post three is the entertaining content for my brand story, because then the brand story is all gathered together in the beginning of week one and then we never talk about it again. So that's not entertaining or inspiring or educational or even very interesting for the audience that's looking at this feed. So what I do is I go through each um, of my content pillars one at a time and I take the subsequent uh, content type from the next pillar so for example i've got content pillar one is my brand story so i do an educational piece from brand story and then my next content uh, piece is about tips to promote real estate so i do an inspirational piece on tips to promote real estate and then business motivation is next so i do an entertaining piece about business motivation and you go through and on rotation until you've filled out all your boxes and that includes your products and services which are your direct sales sales and your promotion by sharing so therefore you also see that your promotion by sharing and your direct sales are scattered throughout your month's strategy. Do we see how this is starting to come together in a really interesting and vibrant feed and we've still as yet not actually created a single piece of content. I have no designs, no um, No hooks, no stories, no call to actions, no offers, nothing has yet been made for the calendar but the calendar is fully populated according to our brand pillars, our content pillars, that month's content ideas and all the educational, inspirational, entertaining ideas and your direct sales. So when you come next now to creating the actual content, you know exactly what the piece of content is about, exactly what pillar it sits under and what type of content it's going to be. Is it educational, inspirational, entertaining or a sales piece? I mean, it's absolutely golden. You cannot go far wrong with this type of strategy. Now, Obviously, this is amendable and amenable dependent on what you do. For example, with a brand, a, a ground up strategy. So if I'm working with a client that doesn't have any social media presence at all, then I, what I will do is I'll maybe do less content pillars um, and maybe double up on my brand story so that um, new followers, potential audience members, get much more familiar with the brand story before going ahead and um, letting them look at other things. Uh, so you see, there you can play about with this, etc. If you've got a particular product or service that you're launching, and you obviously need to build buzz about that, so maybe you would increase that ever so slightly, um, or you would maybe pull back on the sharing the product sharing side and you would maybe go more onto the direct sales so you would do instead of doing two content uh, product sharing and two direct sales, you would maybe just do all four on direct sales towards that um, that new product, but it would still be spread out over the weeks because you wouldn't change the strategy, you wouldn't change the the formation and the process, so it would still be spread out, so your audience is not gonna get tired of you overselling. Uh, isn't it great? <laughs> and the thing about this strategy and this, this design is that you can't go wrong once you have it in place. Once you understand this and you have it in place, it's so easy to replicate across any brand, any um, any industry, um, personal branding, whatever you are looking to cover. It's a top down method that works magically. Well, not magically, there's a lot of work in it. It's not like you just wave a magic wand and it appears, but it's so useful. And I really, I think if you can get to grips with this, then um, it will really help. So, so I've spoken about putting that part together. So now we have everything that we need to know about what's going out that month, then you can sit um, and it depends on how you create your uh, content. Now that you have the calendar, it doesn't matter. You can create the content daily, although I would obviously advise not to do that because that means you are working every single day and there's no need. If you've got all of this laid out in front of you, you can batch create your content exceptionally easily. I mean, it's so simple. So you could do it week on week, or you could do it month up front and do really, really spend a day getting all of this done, scheduled, and then you can worry about engagement tactics for the rest of the month. I mean, it's just so handy and useful. Okay, so then um, when it comes to when it comes to the next stage of content creation, I do something a little bit different here, and I'm not gonna go into great detail of it in this podcast, because otherwise you're going to have a headache by the end of it. But what I do is I then use an elastic, what's called an elastic content process. So I create a my small content first. So I've got this content calendar for month one. I am going to replicate this across different uh, platforms over the next four months for that brand. So I start with this on my um, small short form platform. So specifically, um, I start with it on Twitter. Um, So I will use this, create the content for Twitter in month one. Then what happens is I can see, engage the audience reactions and actually look and see what questions and queries and comments I get back. So then when I go to use the exact same one in month two, I can add to that to make the content much more robust and much more informative. Then again, in month three, when I move up to more longer form platforms, um, I can do the same. And then in month four, up to my top uh, mega long form content, um, they can be vastly, vastly, vastly robust. Okay. So, uh, just as a quick example, in week one I would cover things like, I would use this to do Twitter, Instagram stories Insta, Facebook stories and Snapchat snaps, really short form content, in week two I would then take all the feedback in the inf- uh, week two, sorry, month two I'm getting carried away with myself today so in month two I would then use um, this for Instagram Reels Instagram posts, Facebook posts LinkedIn posts, Snapchat Spotlight and uh, YouTube Shorts, in month four I would use it to create Instagram carousels, TikTok videos and clapper videos and then in uh, month four I would use it for a blog, uh, IGTV, newsletters, free downloadables, checklists, YouTube videos, Pinterest posts um, maybe even a clubhouse chat room if I so felt like it. Now obviously that's a lot of work and I would never expect you to do all of those channels at once but it gives you a good understanding of how this simple, what starts very simple can create a massive 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 amount of content and the joy about elastic content is it goes one way and then we can reverse it so once I have um, my long-form YouTube video blog etc that can be cut down for other aspects of social media so you can really have a massive huge body of content just from what is essentially one month's content strategy now Again, I'm not going to go into that much more in detail there because really, guys, you're going, you're going to get a headache and you're going to be sending me PMs all over the place asking for free paracetamol just to listen to this podcast. Um, but to highlight on that, um, the difficulty with that, that kind of elastic content strategy is that you then always have to do month, you do month one every month and then obviously you move your months on because you always have to then be creating a new one, uh, a new strategy and calendar for the next month for your month one platform. So you would... Twitter would start again when you're moving on to Instagram reels, etc. So it's a bit more complicated and I don't want to give you a headache. But... um, then so then you create your content, you schedule your posts, you do your hashtag research, and on you go. And um, you know then you you put it into um, into the structure that you would for anything. So you would have your hook for your post. You would tell the story for your post because of all the research you've done with your brand. You would know what the voice is going to be, what the stories are that you want to tell, or what stories you want to use. So you see where they fit with the um, you know the inspiring content, or if it's an educational story, it teaches a lesson. Then you could put it in the entertaining content and you start to all of this mix and mashes together to get a really high quality um content feed it's absolutely awesome and you can tell i love it um and that's it that's how it works um easier it's probably easy for me to speak about listening to it you probably have to listen to it a couple of times to get a handle on what it is um i do one-to-one training with quite a few people on this so if you are interested in one-to-one training then hit me up that's not a problem at all but i will also be putting together all of my knowledge um all of the things that i cover in these podcasts all of the tips and tricks into online uh training in the near future so look out for that um but if you do have any questions on anything that i've discussed in this portion of the podcast then obviously you can head over to my social media and check uh, check it all out and then just drop some comments uh, hit me up in the dms um, drop comments uh, in the share of the podcast just wherever you want come on on social media chat to me it's not a problem at all just search for your spark media and you will find me right that's all of that for today So let's move on to tip of the week and this one is obviously directly related to what we've just been talking about with your social media strategy. So let's say that you figured out how many posts you need to do and all of that stuff and you've got your content pillars. You've got each of them set up and you're happy with them and they're related to your business but then you're struggling with the content idea section for that pillar. It happens. We all run out of ideas all of the time. Um, and sometimes we need a bit of inspiration. Well, there is a great way to do this. If you head over to answerthepublic.com, answerthepublic.com, in there you can put in a key phrase for what you want to search about. So for example, if I want to do tips on real estate, as was my example earlier on, And I search for that, what comes up is a whole list of things that people are searching about in relation to that key phrase. So, it will show you um, questions that people are asking. What type of comparisons are people asking? What type of prepositions are people asking? So here we've got... um, We've got things like that have come up. Tips on real estate investing, tips on real estate photography, tips on real estate marketing. Um, Let's, if we go down to the comparisons, we've got, um, let me have a quick look versus, Oh, they don't have any comparisons on this one. So that's not something that we would use. But I'm doing this live to give you examples. So um, there's also tips on real estate business. So you can use your tips um, for real estate and you can look at certain parts of this to pull out exactly what uh, type of questions people are actually asking in relation to your content pillar and use it. Because if that's what people are asking, that's what you need to be answering. So give it a go believe you me. It's really gonna help and then of course you do three different types of content for whatever uh, Content theme it is, but we've already spoken about that in depth So I don't have to go over it again. Try the tip out and see how you get on Okay, guys, this is the part of the podcast where I answer questions from you. And this week I had a question that was asked in a group called Social Media Help and Support for Small Businesses from Rachel Barnett. And the question says, Is there anything wrong in inviting your friends to like your Facebook page? What an interesting question because that's the first thing we all do, right? The very first thing we do um, when we set up a new page for a business or a new endeavor is we go to the invite section and we invite absolutely every single person that we know should we though and that's the question ultimately because what happens is if you invite all of your friends say you have let's say just say 300 friends and you invite all of them to your new page for your brand new business and they all like the page so your page is off to a great start from a vanity perspective it looks awesome Awesome! to new visitors oh look this company's just started they've already got 300 likes that's amazing da 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 but there is a bigger deeper issue with this if you invite all and sundry to like your page they like your page because you've invited them and then they never interact engage on your page again then it's going to be detrimental to your page because in the background, the algorithm is watching what is happening and what it's saying is um, ultimately if you've got 300 people and only a couple of people are, are engaging, then your percentage of engagement to uh, follower ratio is really, really small and that is bad because it means you're going to get shown less by the platform. So you've got these numbers on your page, you put out a great post, nobody interacts, the next post gets shown less. and it t- tumbles on like that over and over and over again until you get completely stressed out with your page and feel like you're doing a bad job. So here's my advice. There is nothing wrong with inviting your friends to like your Facebook page if they are the type of people that are going to actively support you, support your business. Like, comment, share, watch your videos right to the end, click on the uh, more information button. You know, you want people on your pages that are actually going to do something. If they're just going to click the like button because you've you've asked them to and then you never hear hide nor hear of them on that page again, that is not going to do you any good. So if you're going to invite friends to like your Facebook page, Then please make sure that they are the friends who are actually going to use the page and engage with you because that's what's going to get you seen more often. All right. If you have any questions for me to answer directly to you on my podcast, then please um, hit me up on the DMs of one of my social profiles or via email. You can email me at yoursparkmedia at gmail.com. I do have a bespoke email address coming, but I've just been too busy to set it up. So you can hit me up there or hit me up on any one of my social profiles. Guys, thank you so much again for joining me for episode three of the Social Spark podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to give you a bit of insight into new social media updates from this week and discuss my methods for social media strategy creation. It's a huge thing, but if you can get it right, then trust me, this is really going to help you in the future. Um, I hope this week's tips and advice have been helpful, um, and I hope that you continue to join me for my podcast on a weekly basis. Remember that you can submit questions to me for answering at any time via any of my social media platforms. These include Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, Clapper, Rizzle TV, and Snapchat using the handle at Spark Media now all of my social media handles are the same so in case you missed that you just have to look for your spark media this is also my website address www.yoursparkmedia.com thanks again for joining me and remember to follow so that you don't miss my weekly podcasts see you later